shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Welcome to Nocturnal Journal tonight on WGN. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and in the studio we're going to do the whole show on Farm Aid, and we have our correspondents from the Green City Market rejoining us. You were so great last time. You passed the audition. <laughs> Jackie Jeanette from uh, Bushel & Peck, co-owner of Bushel & Peck up in Beloit. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And uh, Nick Nichols, farmer and uh, from the uh, Nichols Farm and Orchard out in Marengo. Yep, how are you doing, Dave? Thanks for joining us again. So what we're going to do is we taped an interview earlier this week with Jennifer Fahey, uh, Farm Aid Communications Director, and she's going to set up uh, what's going on with Farm Aid on September 21st uh, up in Alpine Valley. And uh, after that, I'd like you guys to react, and then we're also going to bring on uh, a farmer from Oklahoma. So uh, ready to go with Jennifer Fahey from um, Farm Aid. Welcome to Nocturnal Journal here on WGN and on the phone is our longtime friend, Jennifer Fahey, Communications Director at FarmAid. How you doing, Jen? Um, well, Dave, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's been a while, and uh, FarmAid this year is at Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin, on September 21st. That is correct. We can't wait, and we're under the three-week mark now. Right. So uh, for <laughs> listeners who may be new to this, can we just do Farm Aid 101, talk about how and why it started in 85 and uh, how it's grown and some of the issues you have to handle today? Sure. Well, Farm Aid was started in 1985 by Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, and Neil Young. And um, Willie, um, you know, he knew something was going on in the country that needed some attention, and um, he felt that it wasn't being given uh, the attention it needed. So he um, brought on Neil and John Mellencamp and 51 other artists to play a concert to raise money and awareness for family right, right here in Champaign, were, Champaign-Urbana, right. Right, yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, the farmers were facing foreclosure. They were being um, removed from the land um, at, you know, by the hundreds of thousands. And Willie said, this isn't right. So uh, the urban legend, or the rural legend, as it may be, um, <laughs> is that it came together in about six weeks um, some people say eight weeks, but regardless, it came together very quickly. It was a one-day show with 54 acts on one stage uh, before 78,000 folks in, Sherp- in Champaign, Illinois. And um, Willie and, and John and Neil today say that they never intended it to go on the way it has for 34 years. They were just doing a concert and uh, and then going to Capitol Hill to continue to raise awareness and call for some policy changes and year after year, Willie still saw a need to bring people together around this issue and, and to raise money and raise awareness. And uh, that's why we're still here 34 years later. Um, unfortunately, right now we're in a situation pretty similar to that of 1985 in terms of farmers once again being in crisis and earning um, way below what they should be earning for the incredibly hard work that they do for all of us. So, um yeah, September 21st is our show, and we'll be raising awareness about the fact that farmers are earning about 50% less than what they were earning in 2013. 
um, that they're struggling with incredibly uh, terrible weather impacts from climate change and extreme weather events. And with uh, man-made disasters in in the uh, realm of, you know, trade policies and tariffs that have really wreaked havoc on export markets, um, that our farm policy encourages farmers to grow as much food as possible for. So, um, yeah, farmers are in a pickle, and, and we'll be there to talk about those issues, but also celebrate the hard work they do and hopefully encourage them to, to keep on farming because we all need them so much. Very good. I mean, I did bring in a, a bunch of notes, a boatload of notes here, but uh, some of the stuff I've seen is American farmers are suffering their worst years in decades because of the tariffs imposed by China on U.S. soybeans, pork, and other products. Farm income is half of what it was six years ago. And now this is interesting, with some of the Chinese market possibly lost forever, as buyers there find new suppliers in Russia, Brazil, and elsewhere. Uh, so can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't learn our lesson from the 1980s farm crisis. Uh Um, That came about as a result of government policies encouraging farmers to grow as much food as possible for export markets. And um, when those markets didn't uh, pan out and interest rates rose and land values dove, um, farmers were left holding the bag and, and they owed millions on um, on mortgages, and, and that's why many of them were lost during that time. Uh, today, the same policies are at work. Uh, we're still encouraging farmers to grow as much as possible for these export markets, and a lot of the farmers that we work with say that's not what they want to do. Um, you know, the slogan is feed the world. Right. Uh, U.S. farmers feed the world, and, and that sounds like a, a valiant um, mission that we should all be behind, and yet in reality, if we're focused more on feeding our own selves um, and allowing other countries to do the same for their citizens, we're going to create a better agricultural system that benefits family farmers and our rural communities and our soil and water and all the things we care about. Now, you came aboard in 2002, right? I did, yes. Good memory. <laughs> <laughs> we had a co-byline in uh, the book. We did the, I, was we look, did. I was looking at the book. We, we co-wrote the Neil Young chapter, you and me. Um, that was fun yeah um but uh why did you i don't know if i've ever asked you this how did you join and why did you join up with farm aid um well i was um uh, a leftover from the dot-com boom and um it left a bad taste in my mouth and i I really wanted to do non-profit work and uh, farm aid was hiring it was a job that i was qualified to do um having volunteered for years in a nonprofit organization. And um, I didn't know anything about farming. And my first vacation that I took, actually, in the summer of 2003 uh, was to go work on a farm for a week. And, oh, really? Uh, Where was that? Yeah, that, that was in western Massachusetts. Okay. And um, I'm thrilled to say the farmer and I are still good friends, and he comes to Farm Aid now. Um, Not every year, but as much as he can. And um, it was a great experience, and I've been hooked ever since. I am so gifted or um, blessed to have this kind of job where I get to, you know, spread the mission of Farm Aid and work with farmers and work with artists and work with journalists and policymakers and you name it. Um, We connect with those people, and it's all about bringing something good to fruition. So I love it. Um. We're gonna. I got one more question. We'll take a break here, and then uh, we'll come back and, and maybe handicap the lineup and uh, talk about tickets okay. and stuff. But uh, why Wisconsin this year? Well, uh, a number of reasons. Um, as you know, um, 
the Farm Aid process of finding the venue each year is complicated. It comes down to where the artists are touring, um, where is going to be a good place for Farm Aid to have an effective fundraising event, because that is our bottom line first mission. Uh, the work that, or the money that we raise supports our work throughout the year and the work of uh, hundreds of organizations across the country. So it's really important for us to have a successful show. And um, in the case of Wisconsin, um, it also fit the bill that Willie says any venue has to, which is uh, they want us. <laughs> he says, we go where we're wanted. Um, and so, you know, we, we look to see what are the farm issues on the ground in that area that we can highlight, um, what, what's the help that we can bring to farmers to highlight some of these issues, good and bad. Um, we always want to highlight opportunities. In the case of Wisconsin, um, the dairy crisis is hitting the, hard, the state really hard, and we wanted to highlight that. Um, last year, Wisconsin lost two dairy farms per day. Um, and, you know, that's the level of farm bankruptcies that we saw in the 80s, nearly. Um, so we, we wanted to call attention to that. The venue is a perfect fit for us, too. We've long wanted to go to Alpine Valley. Um, it's a storied venue. We can pack a, a good crowd in there. Um, it's beautiful. You look across from the top of the lawn and you see a corn silo. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and you're surrounded by dairy farms. Um, but, you know, it comes down to a lot of things, but um, mostly this year we wanted to be in a place where we could really highlight the the urgency of the situation um, in that if we can't turn these prices around for farmers, we're going to keep on losing them and, and we can't afford to do that. I'm going to throw one more stat out. And this is from a New York Times article I clipped uh, from April 2019, April 27th to be exact. Uh, yeah, in 2018, 49 Wisconsin farms filed uh, for bankruptcy, the highest of any state in the country, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. So it's a very smart idea to have it. Wisconsin is a very timely place. It is. It is. Um, and lucky for us, another one of our missions is all about serving family farm food at our festival. And um, they have tremendous food. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later, too. <laughs> no, we never, we, we never get too political here on Nocturnal Journal. But Wisconsin's a pivot point in the 2020 election. Don't you think so? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. On that, we're going to take a break, okay? Okay, Jim? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We're back with more on Nocturnal <laughs> Journal. We handicapped Farm Aid this year at Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin. So we're back. Uh, I want our guests, thanks again for being so patient, Nick, Nicholas and Jackie Jeanette. What did you think there in that first segment? We've got a little bit more coming up after the news, but what did you think about some of the stats she said? And what you know, what's it been like for you this year? We've talked about the bad weather and stuff. Nick so, so much of what she had to say is spot on. Um, things are getting tougher and tougher. Uh, margins get smaller and smar smaller. And uh, it's just more and more work. Um, not everyone really notices or appreciates it. But uh, every day when you go to when I go to work, when you step outside, it's you do you have no choice. You go to work and you do what you need to do, and unfortunately, you make a little bit less every single day. Um, what all for the listeners? What all do you farm? What all do you um, we do? About four hundred acres of fruits and vegetables that we sell pretty much here in the city of Chicago uh, to a lot of different uh, farmers markets and uh, a couple of restaurants throughout the city. Same thing, Jackie. What do you hear at Bushel and Peck? What do you hear at Green City Market? 
Well, I think more about you know, I live in Wisconsin now, yeah. and it's sort of sad to hear that you can't be a small family farm anymore, especially in the dairy industry. So it's kind of sad to see that consolidation and people really selling off what they want to do and having to move into things that maybe they don't want to do for a living. Um, I've never asked you this maybe when we did stories for the paper, but um, the stuff you stock in your store, where does it come from? Does it come from local farms? Yeah, uh, so we are focused on local farms, and we try to try to sell everything we possibly can that is sourced locally, whether it be a fruit, a vegetable, a protein, or anything like that. So that's important to us. Okay, and uh, yeah, what about dairy stuff? Uh, so dairy dairy comes from Wisconsin. I mean, we're yeah, in Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, right. We're, we're, we're not sourcing anything from France. So yeah. um, we do try to stay local. In fact, we buy a lot of stuff from Nick over here that, that we use in, in our products that we actually make in the store. So, But that's our focus, being local and buying local. And what about the interactions of the Green City Market? Is this still on people's radar? I mean, she was talking about I know when it started in 85, everybody's talking about farm aid. And, I mean, do, do people talk about the, the, the things that farmers are going through today? Yeah, I think people still this- do think about um, what what's going on with farms. But I also think that they're, you know, the farm-to-table movement has made them just be intrigued in general about yeah. food. So we're glad that they're paying more attention now than ever before. But I'm not sure that true connection to how challenging it is to be in the farming industry really is um, with people in the city of Chicago, although there's a community of people at the Green City Market that really care about that. And that's part of the market's mission is to support local family farms as well. So. You know, same question, and the people you, you sell to and talk with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, the the whole local movement is huge, and with more and more people realizing that you don't need to get your food from Mexico or Canada or anything, and you can just get it from right out your back door, basically. Um, I think that it really, really helps local family farms. I went to your website, and we're going to take a break here for the news, but Big Jones, do you still? Yeah, Big Jones. Sure yeah. Girl and the Goat? Yep. These are big restaurants. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a, we sell to a, a really nice group of people that uh, really all appreciate and uh, get local food basically every single week from us. When we bring our uh, farmer guest on after the news, I want to also have him hear about your background in family farming. So we're going to take a break for the news now, and uh, we'll be back with some more on Farm Aid on Nocturnal Journal. We're doing our Farm Aid uh, tribute preview, and I'm Dave Hoekstra, and we're in the studio with Jackie Jeanette from uh, Green City Market, Bushel and Pex, and Beloit. You got to go there, right? Yep, absolutely. It's, Everyone should. Nick Nichols uh, from uh, the uh, Nichols Farm and Orchard out in Marengo. How far is Marengo from Chicago? We're about sixty miles from downtown. Yeah, it's great. And um, on the phone, we, I want him to hear this segment. He was a friend. We're going to do hear a little tribute to a great advocate of farm aid here, uh, Mona Lee Brock, who passed away this year at uh, age eighty-seven. And we've got one of her uh, compatriots. They started the National Farm Crisis Center together. Are you there, Wayne? Yes, I'm here. Well, thanks for staying up. Wayne is 89 years old, and you started farming in Oklahoma at the age of 15. Well, uh, no, I, I, I grew up on a farm, yeah. and uh, I was running tame and cultivators 
in uh, when I was six years old. Yeah. And uh milking cows. Okay. Well I want we want want to hear what Farm Aid said about your friend Mona Lee and then we all can react to that. So uh here's Jen Fahey well, here's Jen Fahey on Mona Lee Brock. Okay, they're gonna talk about it. you got it. Yeah. Listening. There's a home place under fire tonight in and the bankers are taking my home and my land from me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a big gaping hole in my chest now where my heart was. And a hole in the sky where God used to be. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN, and we have Farm Aid Communications Director Jennifer Fahey on the line. When we did the book, when did our book come out? Uh, oh, 20th 2005. An- it was 20th yeah, anniversary. 20th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the most, you know, outside of, of Willie and John and those guys, um, one of the most memorable interviews we did was, was with Mona Lee Brock, who passed away this year. Um, she was a great friend of fan- Farm Age. She passed away this year uh, in, in April at the age of 87. And um, she ran a, a crisis line, and Willie always called her, I think even in the book, the angel on the other side of the line. Talk about Mona and, and, and what she did and how she helped these farmers out who were really at the end of the line. Ah, Mona Lee, uh, there's no way to replace her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was from Oklahoma, and she and her husband farmed, and they went through the farm crisis, and actually they lost their farm right. in the 1980s. And uh, she had been an elementary school teacher. She had been a school principal. She had a social work degree. And those things um, gave her the credit she needed to um, be a volunteer at a crisis, a farm crisis center. And um, she became a suicide hotline counselor. Um, She started with a phone at her kitchen table, um, just, you know, going out and checking on farmers, giving them calls, asking if she could come by and drop off some soup and just check in on folks. Uh, Oklahoma at the time had the highest rate of farmer suicide in the country. Um, and actually, she's she's in a New York Times article from that time about the just the courage that she had um, to respond to a farmer who called her in crisis. And she'd say, okay, stay right there. I'm, I'm jumping in the truck. I'll, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Wait where you are. And then she would show up at the farm and, and walk into the barn not knowing what she was walking into. Um, she was the bravest person I ever met. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to ask her. We actually did a documentary film a few years ago, ago called Home Place Under Fire about Mona Lee and people like her who use their own uh, experience in the farm crisis to advocate for others. And I had the opportunity to ask her, you know, how she found the courage and, and she acted like it was no big deal. And, um, and she then actually, after the film screening in front of an audience, she um, reenacted what it was like, how she would respond to a farmer in crisis. And, um, you know, there were tears flowing yeah. in the audience. Um, it was incredible. And she was just one of these people that put everyone above herself um, and, and worked to um, bring people together and to um, make people whole again as much as she could. She was tremendous. 
That's, um, that's well put. And she herself, as you can tell, was extremely humble. Um, in one of the tributes about Mona Lee after she passed, um, she said, as far as I'm concerned, there's only two kinds of heroes, farmers and Willie Nelson. And uh, her friendship with Willie Nelson was famous. Um, you know, he had a photo of her um, on his bus, and she had a photo with he and her uh, framed right there next to the portraits of her kids in her living room. So oh, wow. uh, amazing person. Smart, just a smart, sharp, sharp woman. I am going to read this uh, from our book. She was talking about, I mean, this is how smart and, and just her in, intuition. I mean, she's a former elementary school teacher and children's diagnostic counselor. But she, she told us that uh, <clears throat> there was one farmer who was a suicide. She said he was as suicidal as suicide could be. So she cut a deal with the farmer. I told him, if you made some good German potato soup, would you promise to have some with me when I get there? Then while you're getting dressed, I will eat some of your potato soup and I will take you to the VA hospital. And then the, the, he, he whispered, would you do that? And she said, I will. But have that soup made because I will not have a chance to eat lunch. And, you know, she got there and, and she saved this man's life. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just, it's, she must have done that over and over and over again, you know. It's, yeah. And she had those little tricks. Yeah, right. Um, to get people to hold on and to wait, you know, um, making the soup or, or make it, having the pot of coffee ready for her. She... She knew the ways to talk to people in crisis and, um, you know, convince them that these times would pass and, and it was worth living. Just a key part of the uh, Farm Aid family, so I wanted to pay uh, tribute to her on the show. So. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Those are the folks that are behind the scenes so much, and, um, you know, they are they are so important, and they don't get the attention that the artists do, um, but... In our little community, they are the most important people. Jen, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks Thank for taking you. your time out. Now, are you bringing your dog to Alpine Valley? <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> or maybe fortunately. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Timber. Oh, okay. All righty. Well, thanks for joining us. Jen Fahey, okay. the uh, Communications Director of Farm Aid. We'll see you in a few weeks. Okay, you want, do you want to give one more uh, wrap-up of when the show starts and how people can keep in touch with Farm Aid, and then we'll close it out? Sure, yeah. So Farm Aid uh, 2019 is happening on Saturday, September 21st at Alpine Valley Music Theater. Doors open at noon. The music starts shortly thereafter and goes till nearly midnight. It's a full day. Bring your appetite. Uh, bring the family. And if you didn't get your tickets, uh, check out LiveNation.com. We have some releases coming out from our production holds, and you might be able to squeeze in there. We hope to see you. Okay, to thanks, Jen. Support. Family thanks. farmers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. okay, thank okay. you, Dave. Take care. So that's Jen Fahey, and uh, are you there, Wayne? Well, maybe we, I don't know if Wayne's there, but we'll have our. Yes, uh, I'm here. Oh, okay. I am here. Okay, Wayne. So um, I want to. I brought some farmers in the studio, Wayne, because like we were talking, I want farmers to talk to farmers. So I, I'm not a farmer, so I'll try to stay out of this. But Wayne, sure. uh, I want you uh, to meet Jackie Jeanette from Beloit, Wisconsin. Hello, Wayne. And Nick. Jackie. And Nick Nichols from um, Marengo, Illinois. That's right outside of Chicago there, Wayne. So I want, um, I want first of all, I want Nick to talk about what he heard, and then I want you to respond a little bit about Mona Lee. So, Nick. Well, oh, okay. Hey, Wayne, nice to hear you can make it tonight. But, uh, yeah, some of the things that they, she said that is really 
I mean, to the point where uh, farmers are having a harder and harder times, and this year especially, um, we've had some really tremendous, terrible, terrible weather this spring and winter, where uh, people are or farmers are just having a tougher time, and uh, unfortunately, there's uh, a lot of farmers that are really proud, and they don't want to ever actually admit of failure. And they don't care. They're, they'll work until basically until they're dead every day. And uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, well, you don't ever really want to hear from other people because you don't want to hear about failures. So. Well, farmers don't talk to one another about their failures. No. Yes. <laughs> they brag about their crops and things like this, but they don't talk about losing money and and, uh, and, and getting ready to shoot, do a suicide. Uh, I had uh, three suicides within two, 20 miles of my house in two weeks here in Oklahoma. And it was that bad. When was that, and, Wayne? When was that, Wayne? Uh, well, I, I don't remember the dates. Uh, it, it, during the farm crisis, and the deep was probably around 85, 84 to 86, yes. Wayne, what um, what prompted you and Mona Lee to start the National Farm Crisis Center? And talk about how you weaved into Willie in the farm aid world. Well, uh, I met Mona Lee and, and FL, her husband, you find people. And uh, I was the chairman of our American Agriculture Movement organization here at Perkins, Oklahoma. And uh, they lived fairly close, and they came. And during that meeting, I told them if anybody was having trouble with their lenders to come forward and maybe that we could help. Had no idea what we could do, but we knew that talk would help. And... Monley and FM came forward, and another couple, and I had them to come to our house the next day, and we sat at our kitchen table and held hands and cried together. And, you know, uh, that's the way we met Monley, and then uh, Ted Riddle, a friend of mine, who was in the Methodist Church and, and at Sunday, and during this crisis was looming, and he asked the minister if there was anything the churches could do. And the, the minister got him a hold of the, the Methodist bishop in Oklahoma City. And the Methodist bishop got us in, uh, acquainted with Max Glenn. And he was, the oh, executive, that, he was the executive secretary of the Oklahoma Conference of Churches. And the five of us went to him and we put together the first old ag-like hotline that Monolay uh, counseled, and it, it went from there and, and on. Um, and, Wayne, talk about, and then um, the guests here can also react to that, talk about your life on the farm. Your dad was a farmer? Yes. Uh, he moved from Oak, Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Illinois in, in 1907, and uh, when he was a young man, and of course, he worked on the ranches and, and the cotton gin, 
and things around there, Kearney, Oklahoma, and uh, met my mother. And when they, she got old enough, they got married. And they, she was 19, and uh, they got married, and they had us five kids. And uh, and uh, they went back to Illinois, and he worked. He was a shuck corn. He worked in the corn for the farmers in Illinois. And uh, by, by the hour, by the hand, by hand, shucking corn, and he was extremely good shucking corn by hand. A hundred bushel is a lot for a person to do. My father could shuck a hundred and thirty bushel a day. And, what uh, do you think of that, uh, Nick? Is that right? And, uh, and uh, yeah. maybe and that's, that's impressive. And they came back to Oklahoma in seventeen, and and bought a new plow on a disc planter and a cultivator. And went to farming. And then you bought the farm, right? And when I was 15, they bought another farm. They, uh, they bought a farm. Yeah, that, that, that farm, the first farm that they bought. But they bought it in, in 1946. And uh, I was 15 years old. Uh, and I was, uh, yeah, uh, I was just 15. And uh, my father was crippled with arthritis to the point that he couldn't do anything uh, just shortly after he bought that farm. And I stayed at home, worked that farm, paid for their farm, and then I, after my dad died in 69 and my mother uh, was living there by herself, and I bought, she wanted me to have the farm, and she sold it to me, and I paid for it again. Wow. And... Uh, uh, you know, I've paid for it twice in my life, and uh, I just wish I could do it again. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, Jackie, you know, uh, Jackie and Nick, uh, but I want to ask Jackie. things like that for the folks, and they're obligated to do, take care of their folks. Yeah, you're right. I, I made them a living until uh, they both died. My dad died in 69, and she died in 86. Jackie and, and uh, Jackie and Nick, I want to ask Jackie and Nick a question. Um, talk about the power. What you're what you're talking about there, Wayne? Talk about the power and the spirit of the family farm. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're, I mean, Wayne, I'm sure you know that it's it's all about the family. And every day I go to work, and I still see my dad and my mom and my brothers, and we uh, we work hand in hand, not always uh, cordially, and. Not always in great moments, and we have our issues, but, you know, that's family, and that's uh, yeah. how a family farm goes. I'm sure you are, you know that well. Well, uh, little boys grow up on a farm. They, they, they learn the, 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 the tricks of the trade when they're little boys following their fathers. And my father had me on a cultivator, cultivating when I was six years old, and I was so little. I couldn't, I couldn't sit in the seat, and uh, so he wrapped a, a burlap bag around the beam on in front of the seat, and I sat on that, and my feet was too long, too short to uh, get in the stirrups on the cultivators to guide it, and so I had my feet on, on top of the cultivators uh, stirrups, and uh, but I was six years old when I run that cultivator, and I've got that cultivator yet. And, and I gave it to, uh, a few years ago, I gave it to the Payne County Fair, the, the plow and the cultivator I still had. And uh, and it's, it's, it's uh, there with my dad's name on it. And 
bought in 1917. Have you, how, has, how have things changed? We've talked about this on the show before. I mean, as far as you talk, I thought it was a real good point when you were on last time, Nick, talk about you guys using computers now and how the mechanics and stuff changed in modern well, times. Uh, we don't have a computer. Uh, I and, never did get to, to computer. When, of course, now I've been out of farming now yeah. since '86. You see, and I was 56 years old when I was invited to quit farming. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I had a trucking company, and I took truck one of my big trucks, and I went on the road and farm. Okay, but uh, one load took me from, from Tulsa to Seattle. It took me eleven days to get there. And uh, but and, I want to excuse me, uh, Wayne. I'm just going to ask Nick about the uh, the advances in 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 farming and stuff and computers. What are the, some of the stuff you've learned? In? Yeah, I mean, some of the just even the practices and uh, that uh, have come about in the last couple decades. I mean, really helps out, and all. I mean, yields get better. But unfortunately, uh, profits don't get any better. So you might be working just as more, just as much, and if not even more. And uh, unfortunately, you're not making any extra money for the amount of time and effort that you put in. Wayne, Wayne, can, Wayne, can you turn off that radio or whatever you got on? I don't have it. Wait, we're hearing something there. No, no, we don't have anything oh, on. Oh, there's some feet. Well, anyway. Okay, how long have you been married to Jerry there? That's Jerry who came on, right? Uh, well, we, we're newlyweds. Uh, we've been, we celebrated June the 5th. We celebrated our 70th anniversary. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my privilege. <laughs> where, where, where was your first kiss? Well, you, you heard about that. Well, I did over uh, here in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, uh, a few years ago, I don't know, six or eight years ago, I don't know how, many, how long ago, but we thought about this, and uh, one night, I was walking her home, home from the movie, movie shoot show, and uh, and we walked by the old Methodist church here in Perkins, and we sat down, sat down on the steps and talking, and that's where we kissed the first time, and so... Uh, uh, six or eight years ago, I thought, how about this? We'll go and reenact our first kiss. And we got a photographer, and our daughter is a good photographer. And we went, and they moved the church uh, from in downtown into the, the plaza out there on the highway. But we went out there and sat on the same steps. And, and we kissed again. <laughs> and, but but Dave, the, the, the great the thing about it was not the kiss. It was great, always. But look, there was 11 faces in that picture that would not have been there had we not made that first kiss. Ah. That, is, that is what life is all about, the children that you produce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the most wonderful day when my children is all around me here in this house. Oh, that's sweet. And, and, and it's just like the love and the laughter is radiating out of this house. Wow. Um, 
Um, one last thing, and then we got to wrap it up. And and you've been with the farm aid since the beginning, there, Wayne. Um, are you still hearing some of these issues that we're talking about tonight? I mean, when you guys started the, uh, the well, crisis, uh, I had so many strokes, you know, uh, and uh, and mortally had knee surgery and heart surgery, and uh, we uh, we had to step out, yeah. and we we told Willie not to send us any money, money, and when we got, you know, when we finished up the money that we had. We just closed it out, oh. and uh, that, that's what we did. And I had we had a hundred ninety six dollars, and I put four dollars with it. No, one hundred ninety four dollars. I put six dollars with it, and I gave a man two hundred dollars. And and we had helped him before, but he was seventy six years old, and uh, still trying to milk cows, walking on cane. Oh boy. Okay. Ryan Wright was his name, and a wonderful man and a lady. And, you know, it just was a, that's another big long story I, I can't get involved with. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta break anyway. So thanks, Wayne. Thanks for joining us. Okay, but uh, don't Th- forget, I want to talk to you. Yeah, again. we'll, we'll talk this week. And thanks, Jerry. Okay. Thanks for helping. Bye-bye. Yeah, you're associate producer there, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> but, but, but my Lee was like a sister to us. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. Um, Jackie and Nick, thank you so much. Give give the websites where uh, people can find you guys and ask you questions of why you're here tonight. <laughs> you can find um, uh, Bushland Pecks at bushlandpecks.com. That's all spelled out. You can get information about the Green City Market at greencitymarket.com. Org. And Wayne, thanks a lot for joining us. That was great. Um, and you can get a hold of Nichols Farm at um, pretty much any of the Chicagoland Farmers Markets and NicholsFarm.com. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys for the, our little Farm Aid tribute. Thanks to Sammy Martino for putting together that tape. Thanks, Ro. Thanks a lot for the production to Ro Coleman. And uh, we're off for a couple of weeks. Going to be doing some stuff up at Farm Aid. And thank you uh, for listening on Nocturnal Journal.